0: Good afternoon. This is uh, Khalid Ali, the screening room editor of Medical Humanities British Medical Journal. I'm reporting today from the land of the pharaohs from Cairo where I'm attending the panorama of European films and I'm very pleased and honoured to be in the company of Dr. Sharif Hetata. Dr. Sharif Hitata is, an, is a retired doctor, he's a novelist, he's a writer and a political activist. I will Let Dr. Sharif introduce himself. Thank you.
1: I'll uh, try to be as brief as possible. Uh, I'm 93 years old. I was born of an English mother and an Egyptian father because my father was studying at Cambridge University when he married. And I came to Egypt at the age of five. I went to medical college. I was top of the graduation class, but after two years, I became involved in politics in left-wing politics because for several reasons uh, m- mainly because when you live in a country like egypt where people are very poor after a little while you begin to feel that what you are doing has no effect because you can't treat poor people with, if you give them a little medicine they need a whole change in their life so that brought me to politics especially as that was the era of uh, Egyptian struggle against British colonialism. And there I met uh, left-wing people and I found that they were the most progressive amongst the other uh, movements. And I became a member of the left-wing movement and as what happened to most people who are or were members of the left-wing movement, I landed in jail. I spent 14 years in jail and one and a half years in France as a refugee after I escaped from prison and went to France on a cargo ship. When I came back, I resumed my political activity.
0: If I may interrupt, and did you practice medicine when, when
1: you came back, when you went back? I, I practiced medicine for two years only after I graduated, and when I came back, I practiced medicine for nine years, mainly in my village. I was living in Cairo, but I used to go to the village and spend a long time there. And I opened a clinic and I began to practice medicine in the village. Because when I graduated, actually, that was my idea at the beginning, to do that. When I came out of uh, prison, I married a well-known uh, writer and, uh, uh, and feminist called Nawal Saadawi. And uh, she encouraged me to write. Uh, She went after me day after day until I started to write. And then I became involved in uh, writing uh, mainly novels, but also cultural studies and uh, political essays and cultural essays also.
0: And you started being well-published even at
1: at that time? No, actually it took quite a long time before I became well-published. I've only started to be well-published... let's say in the last five or six years. It took quite a long time. One of the reasons was my political leanings and another reason was my marriage with Noelle Sardawi (laughs) because she was much more famous than I was. So she was being published and I was being a little pushed to the side. And now I have uh, ten novels, I have uh, an autobiography and I have several books on cultural studies. Um, Amazing, amazing.
0: piece of work on a uh, body of work and uh, I'd just like to ask you that that most doctors complain about uh, time management and that they're busy with their uh, clinical commitment and activities how did you manage to fit it all in medicine uh, practicing uh, working for people in your own village and writing and, and
1: and being involved in the political scene well actually my life went to went through several stages at the beginning I was practicing as a medical doctor then, when I became involved in politics and ended in jail, I became what it was called at that time a left-wing revolutionary. That is, I was full-time in the party, and they used to give me a very small salary, and I used to do political activity all the time. I didn't do anything else. I wasn't writing at that time, actually.
0: Were you happy with that? Was that part of your, your uh, commitment to the... Bigger political scene? Did you see that as as a bigger has, that your role as a politically
1: activist more fulfilling than than medicine? Well, actually, as I as I said, uh, the problem with med I I was involved in medicine, and I was a good doctor, and I uh, was thinking of my future as a medical doctor and nothing else. But when I met the difficulties in the medical profession in Egypt, I mean, I could have been successful and become a professor at the university and have a big clinic and a big car and things like that. But I found that I was not effective as a medical doctor if I was working with poorer people because uh, there are no medical services to speak of in the country. And when people are poor here, they don't have holidays, they don't have clothes, they don't have food, they have nothing. And so when you try to treat them, they're always ill, there's always something wrong. And if you treat them and they get a little better, they come back after a little while In a worse condition.
0: So in other words, you saw politics as the means to change rather than medicine.
1: Yes, it was exactly that. I said to myself, now why are these people poor? And at the time it was very clear to many of us young people that people were poor because we were a colony. Can you remind us again what era, what year we're talking about? Uh, We're talking about 1946, 47, 48, 49 and onwards. So it became clear to many of us that the country was poor because we were a colony. And if we were a colony, we had to ha- had change that situation and the British had to leave. So I became involved in the national movement and in the left-wing movement that way. I found that was r- relatively more fulfilling because I felt I was I was doing something that could be more effective than what I was doing before. That doesn't mean that it was fulfilling in in all directions but it was my choice it's what I chose then when I came out of uh, prison I looked for a political party where I could continue the left-wing parties had dissolved themselves at that time there was a crisis and the only party was a party called the Tagamo uh, but I wasn't convinced at all that it was uh, a good party it wasn't it became very governmental and changed uh, and so after about a couple of years with the Tagamo, I left the Tagamo and I started to concentrate on writing. Uh, writing uh, novels, writing uh, bo- cultural studies, and uh, various books. And um, as a result, I, have now, I now have 10 novels, an autobiography, and many cultural studies. But uh, in answer to your question, I don't know if there are perhaps some people that managed to combine all these activities. But actually, life wasn't like that. When I was a medical doctor, I was a medical doctor. And when I became a political activist, I was a political activist. And when I started to write, I became a writer. I wasn't doing uh, more than one thing, except I continued some political activity, but it was not... Uh, as much as I was doing before that. But I am at the moment a member of a left-wing legal party which is called the um, Popular Socialist Alliance.
0: Amazing. What a fascinating journal. Medicine, politics and and literature and books. Which leads me to another question. How can literature in particular support the well-being of doctors if you're talking about contemporary times and, and today's generations. Uh, how can literature and, and I know that you, you're passionate about your films too and you write uh, uh, film reviews and, and you crit- critique films. How can literature and films support the well-being uh, not only in doctors but in patients, in, in, in students, medical students and healthcare professionals. Can they be
1: a means for, for change as well? Well, uh, mm, I'd like to to say at the beginning uh, that uh, for most writers, except writers who become attached to the government, to to the leading class, and become a part of the system, writing doesn't bring enough income for you to live. So you have to do something else. And I worked in the government for a certain period of time. Then I was lucky enough to go to the United Nations and worked in Asia and Africa. So I saved money. And when I saved money, I became, I was able to spend as much time as I wanted to write. Can you tell us about your role in the United Nations, please? In the United Nations, I was head of a team of experts on migration and uh, planning and family planning. family planning in the sense of uh, well-being as related to, uh, as related to family planning. And I spent eight years in an organization called the International Labour Organization. I worked in Asia for four years and in Africa for four years. And then I resigned because I felt that if I continued, I would not be able to write. And at that time, I had decided that I wanted to write. I had published my first novel, and it was such a beautiful experience that I wanted to live, to want to live it again. I, just, mm-hmm. I resigned, and I came back to Egypt. And since then, I've been mainly writing, but as I said, I have some political activity. Amazing uh, and
0: how fascinating that uh, you you influence policy. I think in your role in the United Nations, can you can we say that you influence policy at uh, international levels?
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the international organizations, but that that's
0: now going back to your books, which I know you're passionate about. I would like you to introduce or to recommend one of your books to particularly uh, medical students and doctors in the United Kingdom. Which one of your books you would recommend for people to start with, to start to get to know you?
1: Well, actually, unfortunately, I don't have many publications uh, that have been translated into English. I have two novels that were translated to English, and I don't know if there are copies in England anymore.
0: Now is the time to introduce them. (laughs) take some copies back with me to england
1: unfortunately
0: i only have one copy
1: which i will either give you before you travel or send to you called the net which is a translation of a novel in arabic called shabaka and i have another novel which was uh, the experience of being in prison but how a prisoner lives not only with other political prisoners but lives with the guards and the officers, two faces of the same coin and also lives parts of his life outside because you live in your imagination when you're in, in prison. It was called the eye with an iron lid because in the door of the cell there is an eye and they use it to, to watch you all the time. But I don't have anything else translated because, as I said, I'm not a, a government writer. You're not mainstream. Yes, I, I, I don't, I don't belong to the system, and it's a system that translates most of. Uh I see. Now, if we can come back to. Current uh,
0: issues now happening in the United Kingdom: the doctors are, are unanimously trying to fight off uh, reduction and cuts in, in, in pay for out of hours and so forth. I'd like you, uh, with, with your experience in, 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 as a political activist, having spent a considerable time of, of, of your life in prisons, the, the the resistance, the notion of resistance amongst the medical profession and the ethics of resistance. I'd like your um, world opinion on that.
1: I would tend to think that resistance everywhere is important. ...because we are living in a situation which is not satisfying... ...whether it's in medicine or in education or in politics or in economics and so on. And we have to resist. But resistance takes different forms. I mean you don't have to be a political activist in order to resist. To resist, You can resist within your profession by, by practicing your profession in a good way by practicing it in an ethical way, by organizing the people with whom you are working so that they fight for their rights, and, so the, and they struggle also for the improvement of the professions in which they are working. They, they fight for better health care, and they fight for better educational care, and they fight for their rights at the same time. I think people must resist, especially as now there is a tendency all over the world because of the economic situation because of the fact that uh, we are living in a world where a few people are getting richer and richer most of the people are getting poor and poor less money for education less money for health less interest in these areas and it's becoming more and more difficult to do anything that is effective and that's probably why the doctors in the young doctors are uh, are striking because they are victims of that situation. They want to cut their pay, whereas there's a lot of money that's being spent elsewhere, which is not to for, for the good of people or the doctors or for anybody or for education.
0: No, uh, thank you very much. That, that's very enlightening. Now, you, you started practicing in the, in the mid-40s. From the, uh, I'd like again to listen to, to your opinion from globally or, or speaking or if you want to relate it to the Arab world. Uh, From the mid-40s till nowadays, how do you see healthcare? Uh, Do you have a positive view on
1: change uh, at a global level or at a national level? Speaking of the global level, I have very general ideas because I'm not following what's happening in that area. But as regards healthcare in Egypt, it's deteriorating very rapidly. Everything is becoming privatized and very expensive. And poor people, there are no, no possibilities, no real possibilities for health care. During the period of Nasser, there were uh, clinics in the villages. Health care was more or less free, and people could be treated a little better. But since then, the situation has deteriorated. And sometimes I wonder how what people do when, the, when they fall ill. I mean, they have no, no, no possibility of being treated, actually and it's becoming medicines that are very expensive. Doctors have changed a lot since my time, and they have become very exploitative, and they ask, uh, they make their patients pay a lot of money, and the situation is, is uh, disastrous where healthcare is concerned in our country.
0: So I'd like to ask you finally, uh, Dr. Hitata. Final word of wisdom and advice to young generations. If you were to give them a take-home message, what would you
1: tell them? I'm a bit reserved where wisdom is concerned because I <laughs> I don't think that uh, anybody has uh, has real, I mean has wisdom where other people don't have wisdom. We all live our experiences and we mm-hmm. learn. And I think that the young people are living their experiences and they're learning. And they're probably learning much quicker than I did when I was young because things were slower there were no means of communication we don't used to travel so much they are learning a lot of things despite the fact that there is a lot of chaos at the moment and it's becoming difficult to, to understand actually what is, uh, what is happening without any words of wisdom I think that it's very important to practice your profession in an ethical way uh, to give it attention, to try and improve all the time, and at the same time to organize the workplace so that people can fight for their rights.
0: And with those words, uh, amazing words, thank you very much, Dr. Hitada, for this great opportunity. Thank you very much.